You are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Broad River Church. Let's get ready to listen to God's Word. Good morning, everybody. So glad that you've gathered in today. I'd like to invite you to uh, open your Bibles uh, in the scripture to Ephesians chapter four. If you know how to find that, it's more on the right-hand side of your Bible. If you're using the Bibles that we've provided, you can find it at page 977 um, in front of you uh, for everybody, except if you're on the front row, it's underneath your chair. Page 977 is Ephesians chapter four. We're gonna read there in just a few minutes. Um, As I said already, I'm so glad that you made the decision. You made a decision to be here today on this beautiful fall day. I said in the first service, I'll say it again. If you're not from Connecticut, you're new to Connecticut, this is your first fall and winter. When we get a day like this in November, we are happy, okay? So it's okay to be happy. It's okay to smile and just enjoy uh, this weather. Uh, My name is Kevin, along with my wife, Jacinta. We are lead pastors here, and uh, I know that... You had decisions to make this morning. I think you've made a good decision to be here. Um, I'd like to point out to you, for our, and by the way, we have, as I look across the room, we've got a lot of uh, guests that are in the room with us today, and I know that we've got some guests joining us online, as well as people, by the way, we have a group of people that join us every single week online uh, in our digital location. Broad River Church, would you just help me make all of these people feel very welcome today? Come on, give them a big hand. We're really glad that you're here. We're glad that you joined us online. For our guests today, as you were coming in, you should have received a, a blue bag, which just changed colors. It used to be dark blue, and now I think it's a brighter blue. And uh, so we got a new color bag. Inside that bag, you will see a card that looks something like this, that Connect card. And for everybody else, it's there in front of you in the chair. We point this card out every single week, not to just be redundant or couldn't think of something else to say in this spot, but because it's such an important part and tool for us being able to connect with you. Um, there's so many things going on in your life. There's so many things going on in the life of the church, we wanna be able to connect with you and, and know what's happening with you. And so as the service is going on today, please do take the time to fill out this Connect card um, with as much information as you feel comfortable sharing. The back side of the card has got some next steps that we recommend. Broad River Church is all about taking next steps. So we've got some steps that we've suggested there. We want you to be taking next steps. By the way, if you go through all the steps and you're like, I've taken all those steps, then you can suggest a new step or put down there, I need a next step. We'll we'll have another one for you, okay? There's always a next step that you can take. And even if you don't fill out any other part, please do fill out the prayer request portion so we can join with you in prayer on the things that are going on in your life. As you're leaving today, you can take that completed card. There's a bucket by the back door. Drop that in that bucket, and uh, we would love to follow up with you on that. Speaking of the tithe and offering buckets there in the back, let me just mention, um, we thank you for all of you and your faithfulness of giving, those of you who have prayed and um, asked how God would have you partner with our church financially. Um, Our church, everything we're able to do is because of the faithfulness of those that gather. By the way, if you're a guest with us today, this section is not necessarily for you. This is for uh, all of our regular attenders. 
Um, but we're, we're thankful because our church moves forward at the speed of your giving. And so as you pray and ask God how he'd have you give, then thank you for being obedient to that. There's several ways that you can give. You can give by text message. You can give online at our website. You can also use the envelopes that are there in front of you. Fill that envelope out and drop it in that bucket. There's also a card in the chair in front of you that talks about giving, including recurring giving. Some people make the choice to give electronically on a regular basis, and that's an awesome way to do that. And we thank you for, for continuing to be in prayer about that. We are starting a new series of sermons today. Everybody say new series. This series is about the church. You can actually see it there. I love my church. And of course, when we talk about the church, make sure I say this at the beginning, we're talking about the body of Christ. The church, scripture actually says that the church is the body of Christ. And first, we're always talking about the big C church. God's church is not uh, just right here in Norwalk, Connecticut, right? Everybody knows that. Broad River Church is just a piece, just a small piece of the global church of God. So we love the big C church. We love the, the, the global church, but we also love the local church. We love Broad River Church. We love our church. Amen. Okay, good. I, di I didn't get an applause moment in the first service, so, so y'all are on your game today. I appreciate that. I just want to say from the beginning today, as we launch into this series, before we read from Ephesians, that church should never be something in your life that is just tolerated, right? Church should be celebrated. It shouldn't be something that you feel like, oh, I gotta go to church, I have to go to church. No, church is something that you feel like you get to do to be a part of the church of God and the working of God in our world. The, the, the book of Psalms, David once said, I was glad when they said unto me. Right, I was glad, let's go to the house of the Lord. This is a foundational principle that helps guide us at Broad River Church as we plan our services, we plan for Sunday. We don't want it to be a requirement that brings you down like this dreadful thing, you have to come to church and check the little Christian box and feel good about yourself until next weekend and then you have to do it all over again. We don't think it should be that way. We think it should be, man, I, I wish we had church every day. Right? We can't gather for service every day. Uh, but, but for me, preaching two or three times on the weekend is enough. I don't need to preach any more than that. But we think that church should be something you look forward to, like something you're excited about. I'm going to say it again. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to God's house. So I love my church. I do. I love my church. And I just want to talk to you about the church for three or four weeks. And we're going to do some ecclesiology. This is the study of the church. We haven't done a lot of this recently. So we're going to dig in, starting with Ephesians chapter 4. This is just a foundational scripture that we're going to build on today. In fact, I'm not going to refer to these verses again throughout the sermon. But I want you to write them down because this is a foundational passage. Verse 11 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's word. Anybody thankful for God's word? Amen. Some people may think it's strange 
a strange thing to say, I love my church. Now, I think it's strange if you think it's strange to say I love my church, but maybe, I don't know, maybe it sounds self-centered, maybe it sounds self-serving, but, but I, I think about it this way. You can say like you love pizza, but I can't say I love my church, right? You, you love the, what, the New York Giants, not sure why you do, but you might know the, and, and I can't love my church, right? I love the Cowboys too. Some of you hate the Cowboys. It's one of those love hates. But listen, I love my church. Some of you love cats. Like you love cats. I don't know who you cat people are out there, but I know that you're out there, right? You say, I'm a, I'm a cat lover, and you think it's strange for me to say I love my church. Come on, the, the, the church, this is where I found Jesus, this is where I get to experience him day in and day out. This is where I find purpose. It's where I find hope for my tomorrow. I love my church. Now, when I watch the Cowboys play, they're not playing this weekend. Thank God I don't have to be in prayer, agonizing prayer all afternoon long, right? This intercessory prayer wears you out, right? But when I watch the Cowboys play or my New York Nets play, sometimes when the game is over, I am upset, I'm mad. This last year, uh, quite a bit towards the end of the season. But when I come to church, I don't leave mad. I leave excited. I love my church. I, I've, I've heard different people give different reasons for why they love this particular church. I've heard people say, and maybe you've heard it, I, I love this church because it's very welcoming. Anybody heard anybody say this? It's a very welcoming. It's something people say. You walk in there, there's smiling faces. There's a sense of community. Someone just said recently, I love this church because there's so much energy. There's so much youth. There's so much talent. Yeah, we, we're passionate about these young people. It's a priority that we invest in the next generation. Check it. We celebrate our past but we are loyal to our future. Y'all hear that? We know the future of the church is the six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 14, 15 year olds out there. They're, not, they're actually not the future of the church. They already are the church right now. But if we're gonna have a church in 25 years, we better be investing in them. So that's the reason I've heard it's young and passionate. Someone said, I love our church because when I leave, I always feel renewed and ready to share the love of Jesus. Here's something someone said recently, just standing right down here. They said, uh, I was praying for them. They said, I love this church because it's a great reflection of how God loves me. What were they saying? That we can come to God just as we are, that he loves us, he accepts us, he hears us. And someone else said, I, I, love, I love going to church because I'm not judged there. You need to sense that when you're, you're here. Nobody's gonna judge you here. We are imperfect people uh, and we are not in any way a perfect church. Be why, why are we not a perfect church, by the way? Because you're here. And I'm here, right? It's never gonna be a perfect church, but I love my church. Some, somebody said, I love my church because it feels like home. It just makes me happy when I'm there. People get plenty of sad out there. How many know there's plenty of sad out there? Right, it's okay to wanna to go somewhere that makes you feel happy. That's not all the church does, but that's a good outcome. Does anybody agree it's okay to be happy in church? All right, 85% is a good number. As we, as we dig into this new series, let me just start this way. Let me give you a few facts about the church, and then we're gonna settle in on one of the, one or two of those things. I want you to write down a few facts about the church right now. If you're taking notes, and by the way, I've been saying this every week, I wanna recommend that you come ready to take notes here. Write this down. First of all, the church was God's idea. Come on, say this with me. The church was God's idea. It wasn't Kevin's idea. It wasn't the Apostle Paul's idea, right? It wasn't Simon Peter's idea. The church wasn't, who else do we love? It wasn't Billy Graham's idea. 
Right? The church was God's idea. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, uh, Jesus was talking to Peter and he, he said, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, this is why we sing this song, Christ is my firm foundation, right? We're building on a rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus said, I will build my church. It is his church. And because it's his church and not my church, get this, nothing can stop his church. Listen to me, nothing is ever going to stop it. Pandemic, no, the enemy kind of thought he had us there for a few weeks. He never had us. Come on, nothing can stop the church. Right now, we got a lot of deconstruction going on. Will deconstructionists stop the church? It's popular right now. No, they can't stop the church. Haters can't stop the church. Famine, war cannot stop the church. The church has endured for a couple of thousand years because it was God's idea. Nothing's gonna stop it. Every time I get a Sunday off from preaching and the next Sunday, I'm just like ready to go. So I'm kind of chomping to the boots. Here's, here's the second thing. First, it was God's idea. Secondly, the church is God's vehicle to reach the world. Get this, uh, look around you right now. Look at the people to your left and your right. Maybe crane your neck back and look at the people behind you in the seats. I want you to look right at them. Those people right now that you're looking at, they are God's plan A to reach our world. It's good news, not bad news. The local church, and there is no plan B. Ephesians chapter one says, and he put all things under his feet, this is the apostle Paul talking about Jesus here, and gave him, who? Jesus, as head over all things to the church, watch this, which is his what? It's his body. Oh, we don't have that. What's it, do we have another screen there? We don't. The next part says, which is his body. What, we are the body of Christ. So when I say I love my church, I'm just saying I love the body of Christ. It's not a self-serving statement. It's not like you say, man, I had this new kitchen. I really love my new kitchen. I have a new car. I really love my, it's not like that. When I say I love my church, what am I saying? I love the body of Christ. I love the difference that the body of Christ makes in this world. Paul goes on to say the church is Christ's body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We are the vehicle that God chose. After Jesus came, he lived a perfect life. He, was he, he died, he was buried, he was resurrected. And before he ascended into heaven, he gave us this thing called the great commission to go to all the world and preach the gospel. That commission was not given to just individuals, it was given to the church. It was given to you and me. I, I wanna get this straight because there's a lot of anti-church talk that's been going on over the last 10 or 20 years. And listen, the church has brought some of it on itself by messing up a whole lot. And so we got some, some bills that we, some receipts and some bills that we have to pay. But you cannot separate the purpose of the church and the purpose of Christ. You can't separate those things. They are one and the same. We're about being his body. We're about speaking and acting in such a way that people see and come to know him, even though we have all sorts of imperfections. Man, somebody needs to get this. Even though we are tremendously flawed as individuals, we are the vehicle. Yes, somebody here needs to get cleaned up from a whole lot of stuff. Somebody like me needs to get cleaned up from a whole lot of stuff. The song says, I got issues, you got them too. We got stuff, but we are God's plan A to reach a lost and dying word. Are you with me today? Here's the third thing. The church is the family of God. 
Facts about the church, we are the family of God. This is one that's big. This one is big because some of you, if I talk to you about your earthly family, you would say, I have a wonderful earthly family. Some of you would not say that. But whether you have a wonderful earthly family or you don't, you still need a spiritual family in your life for so many reasons. You need people to stand beside you when you are hurting, when you are happy. You need people to celebrate with you. You need people to mourn with you. We had an awesome baby shower happening yesterday and I loved watching them celebrate together. You need people to support you, right? You need a support system in your life. Here's something, you also have to understand this, that there are people around you in your small group on your part of the dream team, they actually need you to help support them. I'll miss seeing somebody for three or four weeks at church. I ask you, where, where were you? Well, you know, I just, uh, things weren't going good, so, so I was gone. Okay, great. What about all the people that were counting on you to support them? Y'all don't like that part, I'll move on. That's what family is about. We support, we're supported by others. How many of you know that's what family is about? We are the family of God. Paul said this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter three. I'm writing these things to you. Paul is a protege to Timothy so that if I delay context, Paul knows he's gonna delay and Timothy's gonna have to be doing this thing without Paul there so that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. Timothy says, what is the household of God? Which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. That household, that family is the church, the support and foundation of the truth. That's a whole different sermon there, but the church is the foundation and support of the truth. We don't like talking about absolute truth here in 2022, but it is up to us, church, God's plan A to reach the world, it's up to us to hold on to and to carry truth into our world. That's weighty, I know, but it's true. That, that, that's why Jesus would say one time, famously, you know these words, you are the salt, you are the light. Why? What is salt and light? Salt and light are these two things that are not really affected or impacted by the things around them. When they show up, they, they take charge, salt and light. Light casts out darkness, salt flavors everything that's there. They're not impacted. What is, salt? He, what is Jesus saying? You're not gonna be affected and impacted by all the nonsense going on around you. As salt and light, you are certainly not to hate culture. We don't spend our time talking about how much we hate the outside world and people out. We don't hate lost people. We're not angry at lost people. They're just lost. People outside the church are just doing what lost people do. They're broken. They're living like broken people live. They're living like you used to live before you found Jesus. We don't wanna be angry with them. We wanna carry truth to them. We carry salt and light to them. We want the light to shine into their darkness, help them see the truth about themselves. Here's, a, here's another fact. Number four, God created you to be connected to the church. God intends for you to be connected to the church, like for you to have a relationship with the local church. I want you to know this, that you were created this way. Look at Ephesians chapter one, verse five. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. What is the purpose of his will? That we would be adopted to himself as sons, or we could add daughters, through Jesus Christ. God's plan has always been from the beginning to adopt you into his family. God wants you to be in his family, and so he wants you to be connected to the local church. 
Let me lean here for a second. How many times have you heard people say things about the church like this? Well, there's hypocrites in the church, right? There's just a bunch of hypocrites in that church. I ask the question, well, why aren't you, why aren't you connected to a local church? I'm not connected because there's a bunch of hypocrites, people that act like they're something that they are not. And help me out here. Are there people that go to church who act like something that they are not? Everybody say it together. Of course. Do you sometimes act like you are something that you are not? Everybody say it together. Yes, there are hypocrites in the church. Everybody hear this. That's not a reason to stay away from the church. I kind of got in trouble with this one earlier, so I'll just go ahead and go with it anyway, okay? It's one of those days, okay? It's just one of those days. That's saying you're not going to church because the hypocrites there. It's kind of like saying, you know, I'm not going to the gym because there's too many chubby people at the gym. I go to the gym, Pastor Kevin, and I see all these people that they're there. They're just fat. They've been clearly eating too much pizza, and there they are still at the gym faking it. They're faking it, so I'm not even going to the gym. What do we know? The gym exists for those people and for the not-so-chubby people, but in both cases, it exists for those people. It exists to help them not be so chubby. The church exists to help us not be so hypocritical, exists to help us not be so broken, to help us not be so lost, to help us not be so messed up. It exists for those of us who who have issues. And yeah, we bring them to the church. Why do we bring our hypocritical selves to the church? Because he helps us get through those issues. To work, I was just talking to Natalie out, out front, talking about this, this four weeks leading up to Sheridan's wedding in a month and, and talking about what God is teaching me during this time. I turned 50 next year, and here's what I found, that this, this season leading up to Sheridan's wedding, God is teaching me things about myself. I still got issues. I still got a whole bunch, you're not allowed to say amen, I still got a, the Lord just give her a hedge of protection right now, right? I still got a whole bunch of crankiness that God is working out in me. He's still, I used to sing a song growing up, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How lovely and patient he must be because he's still working on me. Listen, I, I, I don't want to get more cranky. What do we say about old people? They just get crankier and crankier. That's not what God's doing inside of me. He's doing something different, right? That's why the church exists. Yes, there's hypocrites here. Absolutely, that shouldn't stop you from getting connected to the church. I must say one more thing here. It doesn't stop you from going to work. There's hypocrites there. It doesn't stop you from going to Thanksgiving dinner with your family. There's some hypocrites there. It doesn't stop you from looking at yourself in the mirror. There's a hypocrite there. I love the way Paul says in Ephesians chapter two. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Other versions say you are citizens together. Everybody say together. 
You're citizens together with God's holy people. You belong to God's family, the church. You belong to God's family. God doesn't want you living life out on the periphery. Some of you think of yourselves as some sort of pioneers in the kingdom of God. Everybody else is on the inside. I'm setting up a tent up out on the outside, far away from everybody else. It doesn't exist in the church. He doesn't want you on the periphery. He wants you connected to the church. Pastor John said it last week. So thankful for Pastor John's sermon last Sunday. He, 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 said, he said this, we say it week, almost weekly. He said, this is a place that you can belong. Most of you can finish it, what? Before you believe. What are we saying when we say that? We're saying, bring, bring your stuff. Bring your issues. Bring your hypocritical self. Bring your hurts. Bring your brokenness. And you can come in here. You don't have to be where I am in my journey. And you can just, what do we call it? We're checking out cards. You can just kick the tires. You can just see if this Jesus stuff is real or not. But I'm, I'm telling you, God's plan for your life is not for you to set up a tent and live your life out on the edge of everything. God wants you to be connected. He wants you to be part of the family of God. I want you to write this down. Church is not somewhere I just attend. It's something I belong to. It's not something I just attend. You know, I go there on Sunday morning sometimes when we have Wednesday worship night, I go there. It's not somewhere I attend. It's something I belong to. Church, get this, is not a place. Church is a people. God wants you to belong to his people. Uh, when the people of Israel had a, a mentor of mine showed me this uh, a few weeks ago, and, and I just felt like it fit here so perfectly so I'm not responsible for this thought, but I want to share it with you anyway. When the people of Israel left Egypt, they uh, wandered in the wilderness for a whole bunch of years. It was never God's plan for them to wander. God intended for them to go directly from their deliverance, directly into the land of promise, to overtake it, to inhabit the promise. And they didn't do it. God's still gracious to them. And so he said, well, while they're out there for 40 years doing the wrong thing, I'm going to feed them. He provided, everybody remember, manna from heaven. They'd walk out in the morning and there would be food on the ground. It was called manna because it, the word means what is it? They didn't even know what it is. They're like, what is it? It's manna, right? That's what it was. And, and so it was like miracle food. It was miracle manna. But finally, this, this, this church leader named Joshua, this leader named Joshua, he was able to finally lead the people out of the wilderness into their land of promise. When they got to the land of promise, there was lots of work to be done. They had to conquer this place called Jericho. You might know the story, other cities. They had to take care of the giants that were in the land. They had all sorts of stuff to deal with, but all of a sudden, after 40 years of wandering, now they're in the land of promise. They cross over a river called Jordan in order to get to the land of promise. But I want you to listen to what happens. It's in Joshua chapter five, verse 12. Here's the context, make sure you get it. This is right after the people of Israel finally cross over Jordan. They haven't dealt with Jericho yet, but they've crossed over Jordan. They're in the land of promise, and scripture says this, and the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna, somebody say no longer manna, for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Are you seeing this? Check it out. As soon as they crossed over Jordan, the miracle manna stopped, and now they actually have to start planting things. 
Now they actually have to invest. They have to put down some roots if they're going to eat. There, there are a lot of people that have this faulty, I'm gonna call it a faulty idea about God. Man, this is important, so if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. They have this idea about God that we live our lives as Christians, we live from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle. This is the idea that they had, that our relationship and our journey with God is just miracle to miracle. And listen, I'm a miracle preacher, y'all. I grew up a Pentecostal. I consider myself a Pentecostal. If you don't know what Pentecostal is, don't Google it because you're just gonna see all the weird stuff, okay? But, but I believe in miracles. I, I believe in miracles. I've seen miracles. I've seen people healed. I've seen cancer taken out of, uh, of, of people's bodies, masses that were there that suddenly were not back injuries. I've had it in my own life. Financial, physical miracles. Listen, if you need a miracle, you've come to the right place. But here's what I want you to understand. Everybody heard that I believe in miracles, right? Did you get that? But here's what I want you to understand. When God is developing us, when God is helping us grow, when God is helping us become more and more mature, miracles are not the route he usually takes. Most of the time when God is developing us, his preferred way of producing things in our life is through another process called sowing and reaping. Planting, weeding, watering, waiting, weeding some more, watering, waiting God's preferred way of producing spiritual growth in your life, helping you to get where you want your relationship with him to be, helping your relationships heal, helping you, if you're looking for Mr. Right, find Mr. Right one day, helping you restore a broken relationship with a sibling or with a child, helping you to find the right career path. God's number one way of producing things in your life is through a process called sowing and reaping. Paul said it this way in Galatians, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Hear this promise, if you sow, you're going to reap. In the scripture, it's called the law of the harvest. It shows up over and over again in the scriptures. I love miracles, but miracles aren't commonly how God develop us, develops us most of the time. I will pray for people who have spent 25 and 30 years doing damage to themselves, making every single wrong decision in their lives, and they'll come forward, and they want God to reverse all of that in a moment. Here's what he does in a moment. He does make you new. He does make you new. But there's gonna be a process of sowing and reaping. It's slow and steady. I like the way that God says it in Psalm 92. He said, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. That sounds great. I wanna grow like a palm tree. I wanna be a cedar in Lebanon. How's that gonna happen? Thanks for asking, verse 13. Because they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of a God. They, they bear fruit in old age. They are forever full of sap and green. Why? Why are they forever full of sap and green? Why do they flourish? Why do they move forward? Because they're planted. They're planted. We struggle in our lives. Why is my life not producing more? I just don't like what I'm seeing, what I want to see. I'm not seeing what I want to see. It, we get impatient with God's process. We think that if this doesn't work, the whole miracle thing, listen, here's the deal. We don't want a gardener God. We want a genie God. We want a God that's like, I'm a genie in Nevada. And God just, you know, I've messed all of this. I'm just gonna rub it and everything's gonna change. No, God is gardening. 
He's gardening your life. He's gardening your life. God wants you to be planted in the family of God. He wants you to belong to the family of God. There's a big group of people in this room today, so many that have not just taken this step of faith. Just to say this, you know what? I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna, for instance, go and do this thing that they're talking about all the time called welcome party. It's next Sunday, by the way, at both of our locations. In Spanish or in English, you can come to a welcome party or fiesta de bienvenido. Bienvenida. Ah, or oh. I heard both. Thank you very much. Very helpful. <laughs> why, do, why are we inviting people to this? It's not because we couldn't think of anything else that you might be wanting to do for 50 minutes on a Sunday. This is one way to get connected to Broad River Church. It's an important way. Just making the decision. God's all about sowing and reaping. Some of you made the decision, the good decision to, to come to church today. You made the right decision. Not just because the band is going to kill it, and they did. They did an awesome job. Not because maybe the, the sermon was funny. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But what? You're planting a seed. It's a seed that you're drop, dropping in the ground. Some of you made the decision to join a small group, or you're, you're planning on doing it next fall. It's a seed that you're dropping in the ground. I want to mention Jeremiah 29, 11, because as God's just been placing this so much in my spirit this week, we, we like this scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. In fact, it's some of you, it's your favorite verse. And, and for good reason, it's an incredible promise. And I own every single word of it. And I love every single word. of it. What does it say? Some of you could quote it for, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans for what your welfare and not for evil to give you what a future and a hope. We love it. I love it. I believe that scripture, but sometimes in order to understand the scripture, you've got to get the full weight of what God is saying before and after that. If you go up into verses five, six, and seven of that same chapter, still Jeremiah, same conversation. God is speaking through Jeremiah to exiles. These are people who have been taken from their home in Jerusalem and exiled as slaves into Babylon. So they're kind of stuck. See, this sounds familiar. Living in an ungodly context in an anti-God, anti-Jehovah context. Context. Some of us might agree that we're living in a place like that right now. So we're going to get to verse 11. But before that, God speaks to them and he says this, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 5, before of verse 11. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Where is he suggesting that they plant gardens and build houses? In the anti-God, anti-Jehovah context. Where is he saying the next verse? Take wives and have sons and daughters. He doesn't say escape and do it. He says do it right where you are. Why? So that they can bear sons and daughters. Where? Right where you are. Multiply them and do not decrease. Man, I'm going to have a hard time not preaching right now. Then he goes on to say this. For I, then he says... Then he says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. All of those things about God prospering them hinges on what? On their willingness to plant things, to build a house and to plant. I remember about 2011, 2012, when we realized as a family that we were planting in Norwalk we, when we moved here, we didn't think that. And then all of a sudden we realized that we're, we're gonna, we didn't come here just to, to, to visit, we came to stay. We're gonna put down roots. We need to put down, I'm not telling everybody that they need to go buy a house today unless you were already planning on closing and otherwise maybe not, but that's not, I'm talking about the concept of getting planted. It's the law of the harvest, sowing and reaping. I've challenged people for years 
to give Broad River Church a year. Just give Broad River Church a year of your life and see what happens. Like work the system. I'm gonna skip ahead video. I'm gonna skip this next section. I wanna have plenty of time for communion today. There are some results to getting planted. Let me read through these quickly. What do I discover when I get planted? First of all, I discover that I'm connected to something so much larger than myself. How crazy is it as a people that we don't just have to watch God do his work in the world, we actually get to participate in it. Like we get to be a part of it. I don't know why he lets me do it, but I'm so glad that he lets me do it. Anybody else? In the church I discovered, number two, I'm supported by others. I'm not gonna beat on that too much more. Ephesians 2 says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a whole temple in the Lord. We are support in a building. You've got all these random materials and they're put together. This piece doesn't work without the other piece. This piece is of no use if it's just laying on the ground. But if you actually connect it to something, then you can build something new. Whenever you choose to get connected to the house of God, whenever you choose to make the decision to say, I'm going all in, I'm going to welcome party, I'm, I'm gonna get in a small group, I'm gonna serve on the dream team. When you go all in, it's amazing how you start to realize this, that you're supported by others. And others are supporting you, why? Because you're being connected. Number three, in the church, I discover my unique value. Because you do have unique value. Ephesians chapter two says this, says, you are God's masterpiece. I love that. Some of you don't feel much like a masterpiece when I said it, it's like, I don't think it's about me. Even if you don't feel like one, you are. He did not make a mistake when he made you. You are God's masterpiece and you have value. Final thing is in the church, number four, I learned my true identity. We're in an identity world right now. We're, we're desperate for identity. People searching everywhere to discover what their identity is. It's funny the way we wear certain brands because we wanna identify whatever the hip brand is in the area that you're in. I, I've been seeing these golden goose shoes recently, these, these tennis shoes, right? And I was like, I like those shoes. They look kind of old and torn up and ripped, but, but they're actually brand new. And I was like, man, I like that. But I, I could identify with that. You know, I don't know what it is for you, Gucci or Forever 21. I, I shop at this new store called Forever Almost 50. 50, right? It's a great, it's a great store. Maybe you're wearing a Jets shirt or a Knicks shirt, whatever, Cowboys or Giants or, or Knicks or Rangers, whatever. What are you doing? You want to identify with something. We use all these different things to identify tall and short and ethnic groups and, and, and we use political affiliation. Sometimes we get identified by who we were and what we did in the past could be an addiction, it could be a sin, and maybe something we did in high school and people from our high school still remember us that way and, and they said, that's who you are. What I love about the church, what I love about God's family, it's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. In fact, one of my top three in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everybody say new creation. The old has passed, behold, the new has come. What, a new person has come into being. It doesn't matter how you've been identified in the past. When you make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus and to give him your whole heart, to hold nothing back, to surrender your all to him, he makes you a brand new person. There's somebody in this room today, 
when I said that, that that sounds good to you, like you need to hear that. It feels good to me today, you're saying, when I said that, right? I want, I want you to hear today, you are not just something that you did. Just because you did it doesn't mean that's who you are. Hear this today, you are a child of God. You are a part of his family. You've been adopted into his family so that you can say, I'm his son, I'm his daughter. If you don't mind, just close your eyes all over this building today. I wanna pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord God, that there are people in this room that, that there's a weight to what we've heard today, that, that the church is something that is a joyful thing in our life. It's, it's something that we get to be a part of. And some of us experienced hurt in the past with our church. And so it's, it's caused us to not want to commit and, and to get in. But the problem is, Lord, is that, 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 that flourishing that you have for us happens when we are planted. And so there are people in this room today that there's just the, the weight of your presence that's sitting on them to say that, that that message is for me today, that he's calling me to go all in. And Lord, it's your call. It's not my call. It's your call to be planted inside of your church. Pray, Lord, that this would not be something that we would just give mental assent to and nod our heads to, God, but that we would make a, a decision, whether it's being a part of welcome party, whether it's, it's leading a small group next time around, whether it's serving on the dream team or, or, or whatever it is that you're calling us to, Lord, don't let us escape that, knowing how many other people's salvation is dependent, Lord, upon our obedience to you. Lord, I pray for Another group of people here today that as I was speaking, that they would just say, you know what, Pastor Kevin, I, I haven't even made a initial decision to, to follow Jesus. I've never trusted Jesus with my life. If that's you today, I wanna to give you the opportunity to do that. I think this is the most important part of our service when we give people the, the chance to make a decision to follow Jesus because it's a generation changer. It's a, it's a life changer. It's a shifter in the biggest way possible in your life. If that's you today and you say, Pastor Kevin, I, 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 I've heard something that's, that's, that's ministered to me and I, I wanna make a move towards Jesus. I'd like you to pray and repeat a prayer after me today. And you're not saved because you repeat this prayer. This prayer is an opportunity to mark this day out as a time that you made a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you today, while no one is looking around, all the heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'd like to know who I'm praying with today. I'm gonna to pray these words. I'd like you to repeat them after me. Would you just let me know who I'm praying with today just by lifting your hand where you are? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hands going up all over this room. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can put your hands down. I'd love for you to repeat these words after me and pray them as your words. Broad River Church, let's pray this with those that raised their hands today. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your resurrection and the new life that I have in you. Now I give you my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Turn me back to you. I wanna follow you all of my days. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you connected with this sermon, Share it with a friend. You can find us on all social media platforms and YouTube, or visit us on Sunday in person at two locations in Norwalk and three service times. Have a great week.